Here we go. Music. How about that? I like this. I like this. A whole new world here on Rejecting the Screen. <laughs> Noah Kostov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko is out West. Every Tuesday and Thursday, Rejecting the Screen here on Lockdown Podcast Network. Thursday, going ISO, the long-form edition. Sit down with nine-year NBA player Anthony Morrow. His story from the beginning, it'll be terrific. That comes your way on Thursday. So remember, download and subscribe, rate and review, share it. Or just pick one of those things, and we appreciate it. And you can also leave us questions there. We can get to those. Suggestions for guests. All of it. Coming up in Open Gym, I'll let you know where Rachel Nichols went wrong on Saturday night with Draymond Green in L.A. Talk about the all-star format as well. But let's lead with, we're not going to break down the trade deadline. It's been done. And it's been done on all 30 of the local team podcasts here on Lockdown. It's been done on Lockdown Fantasy Hoops. It's been done on Lockdown NBA. It's been done on Hollinger and Duncan, all part of the Lockdown family. But Andrew Wiggins interests me, Adam, because... Not very often, after five and a half years, do we see a number one pick with a change of scenery. Had to get him out. Let's see what he can do next. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work out in Golden State, to be honest with you. And I don't think anybody is. I don't think anybody knows how it's how it's going to shake out. But I, I really like what they did when you consider how they got there. So everyone was making moves last year, well, last summer, I should say, based on the idea that the Warriors now were out of the mix for 2019-2020. So everyone's making their moves and saying, okay, we only need two guys in order to put us in a position, two superstars to put us in a position to win this thing. And we don't have to build our team trying to beat the Warriors. So we know the Warriors are going to play smaller, versatile, defensively, and then they have a bunch of shooters. So how do you match up with that? Now the team said, we can just put our best lineup out there and go. And meanwhile, the Warriors go, grab D'Angelo Russell. So they turn cash into D'Angelo Russell, pay him. And I just spoke to someone uh, the other day who said, well, you look at this Warriors team. Look at this, Andrew Wiggins, that gigantic contract. You want that sitting around? I go, well, Consider they've already locked up Draymond Green, who was supposed to be free agent this this summer. They're going to have Steph Curry back. They're going to have Klay Thompson back. So you already have Draymond, Steph, and Clay. So if you're fourth best player, and I expect him to be more than that, but if your fourth best player is Andrew Wiggins, I think you're in terrific shape. We were talking about him being an all-star earlier this year. So he's had a resurgent year, number one. And then number two, they've had a chance to play – Eric Pascal this year and his growth and development, plus the draft picks they've got coming to them. Who knows what the Warriors look like with the with the lottery pick situation? So I just think all of a sudden Bob Myers turned a situation that was everyone else was making moves and doing all this, and he didn't sit on his hands, and he actually went out and did something, and then he flipped that D'Angelo Russell move, which people sort of expected, but he turned it into Andrew Wiggins, and I love that personally. Yeah, and I think that this year's draft, what if they end up hitting the lottery and getting the number one pick or able to, because of the situation that they're in with Steph and Clay and Draymond and, and having Andrew Wiggins in what you know should be his prime, maybe they're able to flip that pick into something else. So I think mm -hmm. the options are endless of what this team could look like. And then there's the thought of, well, are they still going to be the Warriors? 
just blowing out the rest of the league? No, but I do think that they're in a still a much better position than anybody would have thought coming off of losing KD, losing Steph, losing Clay. But I'm thinking about it from the Wiggins side of things, and I, I tried to go back thinking about number one overall picks who have been flipped in a change of scenery or, or even been traded this early into their careers. And I went back to Kenyon Martin was mm. the last number one overall pick that had been, well, I should say last number one overall pick of significance. Like I don't, I don't count Anthony Bennett. I don't count Andrea Bargnani really like guys of significance that were traded this early in his career. And cause Kenny was traded four years in his, into his career from the nets to Denver for the for the three I think it was yeah three first round picks so Andrew Wiggins it's going to now be a it's also going to be a mindset thing that he's going to have mm-hmm. to get over hearing number one pick number one number one pick one number one pick and and accept and carve out the role that is best for a championship contender I think that's the key right there and you talk about a young guy that's in a place where Steve Kerr, it's not like he's going to bury him. Uh, you know, once once the stars come back, he's going to give him every opportunity to succeed. I think one of the great strengths of Steve Kerr is his understanding of confidence and how he instills confidence in his players. And you know, we, when we talk to when we when we air our interview with Anthony Morrow on Thursday. You know, the idea that Don Nelson was great at that, too. Anthony Morrow, you know, discusses that. And Steve Kerr is just wonderful with building confidence. And it isn't just with the stars, which you hear about all the time, that he gives credit to Clay and Steph and those guys and, and did it with KD, too, explaining to him what he could be and, and turn into. But but it's more so even the role players. And obviously, Andrew Wiggins is trying to become that superstar. He's going from borderline star to superstar. But I think that. You know, even with the young guys, he 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 plays the young guys. He encourages them. He gives them moments where they can shine and puts them in positions to succeed. And I think Andrew Wiggins, we're going to see his best offensive and defensive performances uh, while he's a member of the Golden State Warriors. All right, we had a whole thing planned on Giannis too, but we're going to be able to keep this tight. So with all due respect to Giannis and the historical season that he's having, we'll save it because I don't think those historic numbers are going anywhere. Last thing on Andrew Wiggins, and I don't know the full story, but being a parent, I didn't really like seeing the Warriors camera crew with him in that car coming from the airport, and he is holding his toddler child, I think it was his son, in his lap and not in a car seat as they left the airport and wherever they were going. But hey, that's just me. No judgment. Coming up next, the All-Star Game format. Who could possibly be against giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to charity? So the Rejecting the Screen segment as part of the Rejecting the Screen podcast going against what is seemingly the popular opinion because it seems popular to just crap all over the new All-Star Game format. And again, my first thought, who is against just giving out hundreds of thousands of dollars to charity while trying to make the game more competitive. I would rather the game not be competitive and give hundreds of thousands of dollars to charity while still trying to make it competitive than what we've previously had. 
I, I'm curious as to who is against that idea of giving. Well, my, giving I mean, money. it seemed like a lot of even even a lot of the media was. I no, I know, I I I know. I mean, I meant deep down. I was agreeing with you. No, I I um, I think that this has been. It's weird to call it a problem, but the the All Star Game itself, it's weird because it's obviously changed through the years. And you look at the history of what the All Star Game was and. And you go back and look at old film, and I don't mean of the 80s. I'm saying go way beyond that for the All-Star game. It was just different. It was treated differently. And then somehow in the 80s into the 90s was sort of the the golden era of the All-Star game in which guys came to play. Yes, there wasn't tremendous defense, but it was sort of like guys wanted to show out. They wanted to make an impression. There was also cool moments because a lot of these guys didn't talk during the offseason, certainly not during the season. So then when they got in this game, it was kind of this cool camaraderie, which you saw these rivals all of a sudden hanging out and getting to know each other. And that was always interesting. And then over the last decade, we've seen the All-Star game sort of fall apart, where it was absolutely no defense whatsoever. Um, They're just, hey, who can score 50? You know, every guy going for their shots. Not a lot of ball distribution. And again, for a guy that was like, wow, I grew up watching the all-star game thinking like I, I recorded it every year when I was a kid, it was always, I have to see the all-star game because I want to see the best players in the world go head to head in a competitive environment. And then quickly it turned into the pro bowl where nobody wanted to touch anybody and all that kind of stuff. So I'm all for this. And no, I actually suggested last year, I think in addition to the format changes they've, they've made, which I actually am excited about. There's also, I would love to see a defensive player of the game be awarded and so there's some incentive for a guy out there to say hey i'm going to go for defensive player of the game because you know mvp is pretty much going to go to the guy who scores the most so let me get a defensive player of the game. well what does that mean so so what are they getting for winning defensive the the defensive mvp of the game to get a truck a check whatever hey money to charity let's say that how about a truck through two and then and then we'll throw in a you know we'll throw in a nice trophy who doesn't want to hoist a trophy after after a game? I hoist a trophy after every one of our podcasts. Just for I've fun. never seen that. Yeah, I've, I've never yeah. seen that. So, yeah, so I, I, I so I like I like the format. I mean, I like playing quarter by quarter. Well, let's like explain some the of the format, Noah. So explain some of the format. Okay. Well, you, well, you start you start every every quarter zero zero twelve minute quarters, and you play that quarter, and then whoever wins that quarter, the hundred grand goes to charity, and then the fourth quarter is worth a whole lot more, and it's essentially first to 24 for Kobe. And mm-hmm. I think the best way to honor Kobe would be just everybody to play hard. But if you're going to do it, this is this is good with me. And I'm also thinking, why not at this point try to go back to East-West? Because the East is constantly getting shit on. So if you're the Eastern Conference, wouldn't you want to play with a bit more pride? I think the the draft was an interesting idea and I love it in theory and it's actually interesting because of how awkward the whole thing has become. But I also think that that's sort of where we started to go away from from the competitiveness. Like first of all, why am I why do I care if I'm a team LeBron? Like what what is my pride? You know, you it's like they say all the time to play for the name you know, in the front of your jersey, not the name in the back. And then it's like, well, wait, which, which one am I playing for here? Because yeah. this name could apply to both. But I do think that, you know, you're right. There is something to be said for guys considering themselves, not just part of their team, 
they don't consider themselves part of a division. They consider themselves part of a conference. So it's your team, and then you think about yourself as playing in the East. And oh, you don't think the East gets much respect, or we don't, we aren't that very that good. Plus, there's the rivalries interwoven within the actual conferences too. You know, typically nowadays you don't have that east-west rivalry it's it's within the east so then when you play in the all-star game now you're playing with those guys you have a shared goal so i know we've overthought this but the truth of the matter is i i really like the new format because anything that's going to increase competitiveness in the all-star game i'm all for and i've said for a while Noah, like i go even a step further and just even we've talked about selections for the all-star game this matters to guys i know for fans we think sometimes that it doesn't but i get annoyed when we see Taco Fall showing up high on ballots or Steph Curry showing up high in the in the in the fan voting. Because to me, we talked to Kevin Willis. He makes one all-star game in his career and he can he can talk about every second of that night because of how wonderful it was for him and the pride that guys have. And they talk about I was a three-time all-star, I was a two-time all-star. It means something to these players. And so even the voting itself, I don't think should be thrown away in the game itself. I think a lot of these guys want to play in a competitive competitive environment and let's give them the opportunity to do that yeah look the all-star format is i think this is a whole lot better of an idea than the dunk wheel or making those dunk teammates that they did on all-star saturday night so give this for the all-star game i'm all for it give it a shot and hundreds of thousands of dollars going to charity who's going to argue against that this is one of the first all-star games in years i'm going to be missing and i wish i could be there i got a game on saturday out your way in Moraga, California at St. Mary's. It's St. Mary's against Pacific. And Pacific head coach is the former Raptors guard, former Blazer, Damon Stoudemire. So looking forward to seeing yes. to seeing yes, him. Is. Do you have a favorite All-Star game memory from the ones that you uh, attended through the year? You know, I think being in the locker room, and, and I don't remember the year, but being in the locker room, doing a little piece for NBA TV way back, when I was in production there and inter- asking a few questions to Iverson and Shaq and Kobe and Bill Russell, that was probably my favorite all-star memory, just being, cool. being, being that close to those guys. All right, coming up next in Open Gym, got to get an update on your coaching career, plus hmm. why Rachel Nichols just has to be above it. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers who work with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you might not know that Locked On Warriors, great way to reach local businesses and passionate fans of the Golden State Warriors and every other team. So unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. That's simple. Locked On podcast listener is predominantly male. Well-educated, disposable income. Maybe we should try to change that. Probably get more females if we put this on video. And then that lets put your company right here on Locked On just by texting advertising to 33777 or visit com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. Our sales team will help you out. Advertising to 33777. That's the text or visit com slash advertising. So on Saturday night, The Jump, which is the NBA's show of record, their daily show, they're now doing their shows on site on ESPN, the ABC games. And Rachel Nichols was sitting down with Draymond Green 
and asked about LeBron. And you can go and find the clip. Maybe in post-production, I'll try to put it in here, but I don't know how advanced I am. So let's just pretend we're not going to have it in here. And Rachel says (laughs) to Draymond that people say LeBron should be MVP because of what he's doing on the floor. And then she mentions because of everything the Lakers are dealing with, with Kobe's death. And I, I was floored. One, Rachel Nichols, who is one of the faces of NBA coverage, has to be better than using people say. Because her voice is louder than anybody else. And it should mm-hmm. be. She's got the access. She has the gravitas. So it should be her voice. What is her thought? How about just MVP voters? Why is she dealing with people say? But then to mention what, to even give credence to Le- LeBron's MVP consideration and using Kobe's death as something that could prop up his MVP candidacy, I thought was awful. That was I was shocked that she went there. Now, maybe there was greater context that she meant and she sort of, you know, missed out. You know, we 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 speak quite a bit on this podcast. There's things I say, I listen back and think, oh, it's not exactly what I meant. And maybe I didn't explain myself as well. Uh, there was maybe something to it. Uh, but but yeah, it was just it. it well, it comes off in poor taste for sure, but it's not just that. Just this idea that it was so ridiculous that it was just strange for her to even mention it and and go there. And I, I can't imagine that Rachel was doing that in order to, you know, increase viewership or clicks no, no, or, no. or something else. And so, but, I but think again, we make she just clear. she needs to be above the people set. Yeah, well, and that's where I was going. I mean, I so I, I wanted to make clear. I don't I don't think that it was, you know ill intent and um you know from everyone i know that the works on the jump and and has worked with rachel nichols obviously has a lot of great things to say about her but uh yeah i mean you brought up the the idea that people say all the time and i think one thing you know having worked at espn and then noah for you you know there's a bunch of big networks that you've been a part of and, and worked with um we understand there's some rules in place, first of all, in terms of like people say, like, first of all, you, as you point out, you can own it. But then the other part is ESPN is so influential in its own right. I used to say all the time, like, if ESPN decided they were going to lead Sports Center for the next couple of weeks with lacrosse, you would see a huge uptick in lacrosse viewership and interest and all these things. And next thing you know, it, it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're now New York Times writing, oh, why is lacrosse taking off? It's the new thing, you know, and it would just blow up. And so knowing you have that power anyway, you just have to be responsible enough to say, okay, here's the deal. This is what I think about MVP voting or the MVP voters that I speak to or guests that we've had on the jump. Right. And just go from there and you would be fine. But certainly even this, any premise of the idea that, like LeBron is the only one dealing with, um, you know, Kobe's death is just. It's not, it's just, not even worth. It's not even worth mentioning. Not even worth going to. Before we get into what I'm most looking forward to this week on the NBA schedule, aside from All Star Weekend, I've got a game and your NBA draft prospect mm-hmm. matchup to watch. What's going on with the middle school girls team you're coaching? So we, 
we're still uh, struggling to win games. I mean, I, so I want to put this into perspective for people. We have, I think, seven girls on the team, eight girls, but we usually one doesn't come to a game. There's seven girls on the team. So eight girls on the team. Out of the eight, four played last year. Uh, three of those, it was their first time ever playing. Ever playing the, basketball. Ever playing basketball, yes. Not even organized uh, basketball, just basketball. I don't I would go even beyond or yeah, organized basketball. I don't think they ever played a pickup game or anything. The so that's so that's three of the girls. The other one's my daughter who had played before that. So to be fair, Bella had played before that and everything. Uh but then the other uh four girls that are on the team, this is their first time ever playing. So so three from last year, first time ever playing, four this year, first time ever playing. And we're talking, don't know the rules. So we've had to, I mean, they don't really understand like the jump ball. They don't watch basketball on TV. Um, there's just a lot of that, that they, they don't know. But the wild part has been to see the development and to see them really enjoy the game. And we've gone over some basics. I mean, th- throwing the ball in after the other team scores, they didn't really understand that. And, and again, this is the eighth grade middle, t- middle school team. This isn't a rec league team. This is actually the school team. And so to get them to actually enjoy it and to like basketball as a whole, it's it that part's been kind of fun to like dive into that and to see their development. And they're tough girls, they're sweet kids, and they really are giving me maximum effort. Now they're not in the best shape. So that's another issue altogether. So usually we have two subs and we're just constantly rotating them in. And we've had some ugly moments where the other teams have really been crushing us and the coaches have sort of said in multiple games, hey, do you you know, I can sort of slow this down or my apologies for our girls playing hard. And the biggest thing I've told them, don't change a thing because our girls are resilient and also they don't want to be embarrassed by the other team not trying at all. They don't want to, they want to earn their points and all. And then the other part of it is just, they also need to see other kids actually play and what it looks like to play good basketball and have strong fundamentals and they're getting better by the day. And so once we learn to rebound and not just slap at the ball out of bounds, we're going to be oh, just yeah. fine. Our elevator uh, baseline out of bounds play has been working pretty well. Um, I'm sure it know, has. We're figuring things out. We had a girl, sure but we did have a girl. And I will say this, we had a girl on our team last year. She was one of the girls who last year was the first time she'd ever played basketball. Didn't really get the game at all last year. If you saw her last year, you'd be like, Oh, this girl has no chance. I don't know what she's even doing out here. She doesn't even seem to like it. This year, Noah, our last game, three straight trips down the floor, she scored. Oh. Now we scored eight points total in the game, but six of wow. those points were in the span of about a minute and a half. And I was like, this is awesome. And you could just tell she was just on cloud night. It was like the awesome. greatest day of her life. So, yeah, it's been pretty awesome to have uh, the buy-in from the kids. Uh, speaking of buy-in, is your is your contract a, a team option or a coach's option for next year? Uh, I don't think it matters on all the, okay. either end. Right. I think right. uh, my daughter my daughter leaves middle school. I don't think they're going to ask me back. <laughs> no, I I think actually I mean, maybe there would be a spot to to come back, but uh, I'm going to miss coaching these girls individually. I'll I'll tell all you right. how much. It started like the bad news bears, and now we're now you're the Washington Generals. Well done. That, so. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to obviously All Star Weekend, but uh, Lakers Denver on Wednesday night. The Thursday night games sometimes they're they're either great or just duds, and because not everybody's paying attention to them yet, and every and everybody is at All Star at that point, aside from mm-hmm. those two teams, league officials, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to Lakers and Denver on Wednesday night. They split the two games 
so far in December. The Lakers won in Denver, and, and LeBron didn't play in the in the second game. So right now, these are the top two teams in the West. Lakers, Nuggets on Wednesday night going into the break. What do you got? Mm. I've got Sunday, San Diego State playing at Boise State. Get Ooh. on Boise State. Derek Alston, who has just improved every year that he's played. He's a 6'9", a wing, essentially. Does mm-hmm. a lot of things pretty well, but it's been his market improvement throughout his career that's really been special. And 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 you root for kids like that, that, that aren't just these superstars starting out right away, especially at a school like Boise State. Sent Chandler Hutchinson to the league, obviously, uh, a couple of years ago. So... Malachi Flynn is a guy who also is going to end up in the NBA. Washington State transfer played it with under Ernie Kent at, at Washington State, and then he transferred out after all these losing, all losing a ton of games at Washington State. He goes now and he's playing with San Diego State, and obviously looking at a potential one seed. So, I just having those two guys on the floor will be great for NBA scouts. So Malachi Flynn, not that they're going to match up one on one, but Malachi Flynn and Derek Alston, Boise State hosting San Diego State on Sunday. Yeah, Derek Alston, his father played in the league. Yes. And I, I believe, is, is his father now the, the head coach of the Knicks G League team? Yes. Yes. I think that's the case, right? So I've yes. called a few I've called a few of the Boise State games. And he he came into college at like a buck ten and six nine, <laughs> and now he's up to like one eighty five. Inconsistent three point shooter. So if he if he can consistent least, yes. if he can consistently hit the three, he's gonna be an he's gonna be an NBA player. And their head coach, Leon Rice, comes from the Gonzaga tree with Mark Few and Leon Rice is as good of a dude as there is. All right, so go back and take a listen to all the previous Going ISO editions, the Thursday edition, the long form, all those interviews. You can listen anytime and they'll be relevant. Promise. Coming up this Thursday, Anthony Morrow, a terrific conversation about an hour long with the nine year NBA player, one of the great three point shooters in NBA history. So download, subscribe, rate, review, and share, or choose one of those and we'll be happy with that. Just do one of those, please. Follow Adam on Twitter at Rejecting the Screen. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam's on Twitter at Naismith Lives, I should say. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. At Rejecting underscore the underscore screen is... Is there a better way to say underscore? Guess not. So Rejecting underscore the underscore screen on Instagram. Adam started the account. He's become a social media maven. We're working on it together. We're going to build this account. We're going to try to get the word out a bit more about the podcast. We appreciate all the love that we've gotten so far, especially from Trish at the Pizza Place. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.